The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.
Good morning, everybody. Welcome from wherever we find you this morning. I'm Vanessa Southern. I'm the senior minister of this, the First Unitarian Universal Society of San Francisco. And I am leading worship today with my beloved compatriot, Allison Jacks. It's lovely to have you all with us. Oh, and I guess we have a special guest. Oh, um, yeah. I the magic. It, it appeared. The magic you know, we box. We have the magic box, and sometimes it just appears. So it's been a while. Yeah, I, I mean, you it's know, well we're timed. talking about joy today, so maybe there's something well, that might see. be worth taking note of. Oh, oh, oh it's joyful. <laughs> She's made an appearance today. Great to see you again. Oh. It's been a long time. Uh, oh. Oh, 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 this is, uh, nice. oh, it's fun. It's decorated. Uh, it's, uh, it's one of those thermoses that keeps things hot. Oh, oh, oh hey. it has hot tea. And look, oh, look at this beautiful handmade box. Mug. Really oh, came through this morning. You can't morning. see, but this one has, has Galen, Galen Workman's cute little long hair dachshunds. It just makes me happy to look at yeah. it. Oh, well, which, well we know I mean, you all are joy. having your tea and coffee, right? right? I right. mean, yeah. oh, this is lovely. This is. My throat's My feeling a little dry. Oh, so how I think nice. What a lovely a treat right on a cold day with the breeze coming through from the ventilated but, doorway. But you know, oh. the thing that we've been talking about, which is amazing that they've shown up here, is how much joy you and I have had in... This magic box knows everything. Wearing our slippers. <gasps> Do you think we could? I mean, they're wearing theirs. They've been wearing theirs for two years. Right. So you think we could wear ours? Yeah, you don't mind, do, do you? you? Oh, okay, just a moment. Yay. Yep. Excuse me. Oh, my shoes are falling apart. Shoes. This is embarrassing, but whatever. Oh. We all know each other. And if you don't know us, if you're just visiting for the first time, welcome. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We want it to be, we want you to be comfy and cozy, and yeah. we want it to be comfy and cozy. So well, I'm gonna take my tea over here. This is perfect. I mean, because actually, I, I, we wanted to tell you, Alice and I had been talking, this Omicron variant, 50 mutations, uh, it just, well, it just had us a bit down. I mean, after two years of that word pivoting, right, and digging deep and trying to be um, oh, strong, to have us, you know, as of Christmas Eve, take one big step back and be putting on our, our guarded selves again and waiting. Well, I don't know, this whole thing has felt to me, I was thinking the other day, like, like that joke about Ginger Rogers who has to do everything, all the dances, but backwards and in high heels. Right. And that's kind of what it's felt like living through this pandemic, except that it's also like doing that with spider web filaments around your legs and arms. I mean, you can do things, but it just takes so much more energy to do them. And I think those spiderweb filaments, they're not just around our bodies, right, yeah. Allison? I mean, yeah. they're also around our spirits some days. And so people have been feeling grumpy. I mean, people in staff meetings have been admitting that we all have to being grumpy and on Zoom check-ins. And I mean, drivers, have you seen the driving? They've been grumpy. And even yesterday, I was on this long hike and there was another hiker. I mean, she must have been in her eighth decade of life, and she was really loquaciously, colorfully loquaciously grumpy when someone got too close. So, I mean, we're all just grumpy. Well, maybe there's another attitude we could adopt. Well, yeah, so we got to talking and we thought, well, what if we just try to shift our focus? I mean, we were asking ourselves, what gives us joy? And, and, and we were a little stumped at first, but then once you started thinking about it, it was like what you call appreciative inquiry, but appreciative inquiry in our lives, like looking for what gives us joy. And we thought it would be fun to talk about that and open that up and invite people to start sharing that. I was thinking about it sort of like a rope that we throw or a hand we extend over the precipice of this time to kind of pull people back on the path. And so we invite you to join us in this service where we're asking, where's the joy in our lives and what is sustaining and energizing to us? And to slip into joy. To slip, to slip into, into joy. joy. To let it show up magically in your life and to start looking for it, acknowledging it like the sun on the rocky trail or the wildflowers or whatever it is for you. 
So I want to thank everybody who's making this Sunday service possible, and it's a lot of folks. We have Shuli Ong and Eric Shackelford and Don Shearer on cameras and switchers, and we're really lucky today to have Stephen Kroger, who's from Desired Effect, who's masterminding like Oz behind the screen to make all of this possible. And Joe Chapeau is on the chat, so if you have questions, he can help you out. We have our Zoom coffee hour hosts, Remigio Flood, who got this whole building ready after a big bar mitzvah yesterday, along with others yesterday, trying to get us ready for Sunday. So much, and in particular, our musicians, who, like Allison and I, started looking for what gives them joy. And you'll get to benefit from that. So thank you, Reiko Odelaine, for the gorgeous prelude, and we look forward to the postlude. And thank you to Mark Sumner for helping pull together and invite all of it to take root and flower into this morning's service to Leandra Ram and Brielle Marina Nielsen and, ben, and uh, Richard Fay, all of her, Ben Rudiak Gould, all who are going to bless the service in various ways. Thank you all. We light our candle then. For all of you who are not here in body until we can be together again in body, but we are always together in spirit and the spirit of joy. And maybe we add to this candle blessings for the 49ers <laughs> who gave us a little spark of joy yesterday too. So welcome to worship. Let's begin today, really appropriately, singing our opening hymn of the morning. You may recognize it from your childhood. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Join in. Welcome. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's eye, and it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. you to join us in the reading the words printed in your order of service for our chalice lighting. 
We light this chalice, the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. As we prepare for worship, I invite you now to join us in reciting our covenant. The words are found in your order of service. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom and to help one another. As part of this service, we asked each of the musicians to pick a piece and then to say why they picked it, why it gave them joy or was related to a secret pleasure. There was a song about corn dogs that didn't quite make it into worship that we'll save for another time. But I invite you to listen to the introduction to each of the pieces and then surrender to the piece and the musician who says it speaks to a joy, a pleasure that it gives them in their lives. Good morning, I'm Richard Fay, and I love this pragmatic poem by the woman poet Mary Coleridge, uh, who lived from 1861 to 1907. Love went a-riding, and I feel that it uniquely fills out the forbidden fruit theme. Love, the rider of a magnificent pegasus, the mythic horse with wings, will not share her thrilling ride with onlookers despite their pleas to join her. The setting is exciting and colorful and so much to sing. And now you get to hear it on my video.
this morning is taken from a collection of poems entitled Breathe by Lynn Unger, who is a local poet and a Unitarian Universalist. This one, appropriately entitled Joy. I don't need to tell you this world is hard and getting harder. We thought it would be better than this, more sensible, more neatly worked out, more righteous, according to our impeccable analysis of what righteousness should look like. And yet, here we are. No good pretending it isn't both a slog and a crisis, which is to say wearing on the very last nerve. And still, when you least expect it, you find yourself ambushed by joy, who, tail whipping ears slicked back to her head, launches into your lap leaving you breathless and covered with kisses. Here ends our reading. And now the offering for the works and ministries of this community will be both given and gratefully received. Hi, I'm Nancy Munn. And my guilty pleasures are staying up too late watching Netflix by myself. I think the moms out there know what I'm talking about. Or reading the latest installment of Outlander. But if I'm really honest, I am a ridiculous people pleaser at heart. And that often makes me feel guilty. I couldn't think of a musical guilty pleasure to offer today. So I asked Mark Sumner if I could sing one for him. I hope I make him smile when I sing this lovely Sondheim song that he requested, and that will make me happy. Life is slow, but it seems exciting, cause body's there. Gourmet cooking and letter writing and knowing body's there. I tend the flowers. Can you believe it? Every weekend I paint for umpteen hours. And yes, I miss a lot, living like a shard. And no, I haven't got cooks and cars and diamonds. Yes, my clothes are not Paris fashions, but in body. Yeah. 
holidays, Wendy and I spent time in Tamales Bay. It rained the first couple of days, keeping us inside. I wrote up a sky report in my journal. Thick, heavy rain-filled clouds gather, casting deep shadows across the green hills and turning the bay a deep and ominous gray. White caps rip across the water and the winds whip through eucalyptus trees. A gang of crows takes to the sky, circling round before roosting on the tops of cypress trees. After two days of storm watching and lots of eating and reading, the sky broke and we headed out to hike the Drake Sestero Trail in Point Reyes National Seashore. The air was cold and clear and clean. The bright sun kept us warm as we walked. On our way back, we saw a man birdwatching on the bridge that crosses Home Bay. His binoculars focused on a white bird swimming on the water. I dug out my binoculars to see what drew his attention. I guessed duck. What kind of bird is that, I asked. Oh, it's a hooded merganser, he said, and went on to tell us about the bird's markings and migrations and mating habits. Beautiful duck, I said, showing off my deep knowledge of waterfowl. But instead of brushing us off, Mark invited us in, sharing more stories about birds in the bay. And soon, Wendy and I became the number one fans of the hooded merganser. It turned out that Mark got interested in birding after a breakup with a girlfriend in 2004. He turned his attention to ecology and ben began taking classes at City College. For a class project, he and his classmates, among them photographers, musicians, editors, and writers, and all bird lovers, decided to write a book about the birds at Heron's Head a city park located in the Bayview between the Recycling Center and Hunter's Point. We listened, fascinated by his story and his love of birds. It was one of those unexpected, joyful encounters that comes when you least expect it. We said our goodbyes and gratitudes and headed on our way. Back at the parking area, we ran into Mark one more time. He came over to the car and handed me the book, A Field Guide to 100 Birds at Heron's Head. There was only one word of how I felt, overjoyed. I insisted he autograph it for me and promised I would head down to Heron's Head as soon as possible to begin learning about the birds in my extended backyard. The following week, book in hand, binoculars bouncing on my chest, I spent the morning at Heron's Head. In an hour, I found greater and lesser scop, brown pelican, great and snowy egret, and black-necked stilt, and too many gulls to try and identify. What a joy! It never ceases to amaze me how a brief but spectacular close encounter, say, one with a bearded and burly bird watcher, can change your life. In the days since meeting Mark and joining the Hooded Merganser fan club, I'm paying close attention to what brings joy into my life. The return to semi-lockdown and the heavy headlines have made it hard. 
but I keep searching to expand my joy playlist, one bird, one expected, unexpected close encounter at a time. Shortly after my birding adventure, I stumbled upon a story by Reverend Tish Warren Harrison, an Anglican priest, writing in the New York Times a piece entitled, How I Freed Up Time to Daydream. I love daydreaming. It is one of my great joys and secret pleasures these days. In an effort to make more room in her life, she decided to leave Twitter, that pesky bird, because it was taking up too much of her time. It was hard at first, but she noticed a change. Tish Harrison writes, but leaving small moments, empty, silent, and in some sense useless, is a tiny taste of a life wrapped in silence and mystery. In the same way our days, which are so full of work and thinking, of arguing and learning, of disappointments and confusion, of striving and creating, we must have moments when nothing much is happening. But leaving these small moments empty is what makes the difference between noise and music. The next day, I wrote in my morning pages, maybe the thing is not to think so much about manufacturing joy than just keeping an open space for it to emerge and come into our lives. We need rest stops to dream. We need space for the close encounters that bring joy into our lives. On a recent hike in Reinhardt Regional Park, I shared with my friend that these days I feel like a, a pill bug. That armadillo-like creature that, when exposed, flips over and curls onto themselves, also known as con conglobulation, con con conglobation, I'm trying, conglobation a fancy word that means to form a ball. We sat on a bench eating our lunch, listening to the birds whose names I don't know, calling out from the thick of the trees. As we talked about our pillbug pill tendencies, a group of hikers came by and said, did you see the ladybugs? No, no we hadn't. Turns out, just down the path from where we sat along the stream trail, a local resident named Jeremy Brotman built the Ladybug Hotel. That hotel, made partly of old cedar and redwood birdhouses, nestled between fallen trees and abundant fern, is where the ladybugs converge. You look carefully and find them find them, those two-spotted and five-spotted and three-branded ladybugs milling the hotel lobby and dining on aphids in their well-appointed rooms. Yes, we wanted to see that. No offense to the pill bug, but there's something joyful about watching a ladybug convention unfold before your very eyes. Seeing the colorful congregation of ladybugs mingle room, and room to room, thinking back to the crowd of pelicans and gulls, the ducks and egrets along the shores of Heron's Head, makes me wistful for church. I daydream about the joyful noise we make when we come together again, the singing, the sharing of meals, the occasional squabbling, the hopes and the vision that we want to bring to life. I miss it all. These unexpected encounters of late remind me of a poem by Barbara Cooker entitled, Sometimes I am startled out of myself. Like this morning, when the wild geese came squawking, flapping their rusty hinges, and something about their trek across the sky made me think about my life, the places of brokenness 
the places of sorrow, the places where grief has strung me out dry. And then the geese come calling. Don't let lockdown keep you from looking up at the sky. Maintain safe distance, but don't close the door on an unexpected close encounter. Raise your joy receptors. Search out the sounds that will make your playlist richer. Strip your armor and take flight. Joy is calling to you. Make time to look and listen. You'll be startled by what it has to say. So I chose a song for my days in Los Angeles when I would commute back and forth from Hollywood to Pacific Palisades, which if you know anything, that is a nightmare commute. And I would get home um, vibrating from the stress of all of the traffic. And I would pour myself a glass of wine and I would go sit on my little patio and watch the big palm tree sway in front of the Hollywood sign. And I would do it to this album, Come Away With Me, um, because I always referred to it as musical Valium. I would put it on and just go, ah. It was probably the wine too, but I'm gonna sing Come Away With Me because it's my guilty pleasure. So many different metaphors have come to me about the pandemic. Like maybe it's like one big shared experience of being that frog in a pot where we slowly lose more and more verve, not really realizing it. Or better yet, suffering some, from some equivalent of 
seasonal melancholy. And then right when the sun started to get stronger, the great hand of fate set the clock back by a couple of months. And we all got deflated a bit. But as someone who struggles actually a little bit with seasonal melancholy, slowing down a little energetically as the days get shorter, I happen to know there is a cure. Turn your face toward the sun. You know, how all those folks, myself included, have ways to make sure we get that full spectrum light that resets our bodies and our brains, either sitting in the sun intentionally for 15 or 20 minutes a day whenever the sun is strongest, or buying one of those silly visors or lights to read the morning paper by to make up for those days of low light. Well, you and I, we can turn toward the light too. We can choose to focus on what gives us life and pleasure in the midst of so much that's hard. Now, always, the truth is, I think consciously or unconsciously, we do do that, like plants with that phototropic reflex, right? Who turn toward the sun, so do we. I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's not necessarily conscious. We just gravitate toward that glass of wine at the end of the day or find ourselves binging that Netflix series, maybe Succession. I, who, would, who, would, who would do that? It's a great series, though, isn't it? I mean, who would do that? Early in the pandemic, my secret pleasure was watching disaster movies. Always popular, I think. I also think there's been a resurgence just this week, I was in a hospital going to visit someone, and I walked by at 9 a.m. by a patient's TV just as a huge fireball was hitting planet Earth. The movie had the twin towers in the background of the New York scene of the disaster, so it was clearly a classic of the genre. But, I mean, we do feel a little better, don't we, when life is in the dumpster watching a fictional movie about when life quite literally is being destroyed by some great tsunami in the wake of a planet-ending strike of a comet or whatever that fireball was. But then again, last week we had a tsunami warning. <laughs> you either have to laugh or cry. So after this last setback, when a friend asked me what gave me joy, and maybe I should focus on that, and I realized I had no idea, I hadn't really thought about what gave me joy, and then Allison was thinking about it, and we started talking about it, and I started paying attention to it, because truly, I'm not running around skipping and laughing in wild-eyed joy these days. I'm not there. but. I did pay attention to what gives me pleasure, and for me, lately, I think it's boiled down to what my two favorite times of the day are. It's probably just a little thing, I guess, but this is what I've got right now. First, dinner time. Dinner time, when we all sit down at the table, my husband, our dog attentively begging, and two teenagers, our daughter and our nephew who's living with us. These last two at the family table are increasingly busy, and so because we're not the center of their lives as much anymore, dinner time is when we actually get to catch up with them, which is great. And the question that we started asking as a family was, tell us a highlight and a low light from your day, and everybody would go around and do that. But over time, that's morphed, and we're really not asking anymore, not that anyone made a conscious decision about a low light, though everyone knows they can share one if they have one and they need to. And every time we do ask, what everybody's highlight for the day is, one person calling us back to that family ritual. There's this way that everyone gets quiet, and you hear this inhale of breath at the table. 
as everyone thinks, everybody runs through the day that's just passed with a kind of happiness or satisfaction comb to find the biggest, well, what do combs find in days that are nice? Flowers that dropped into your hair, I guess, would be the metaphor. And then what comes up? It's like sometimes it's a funny moment in a class or a hard thing that one of us was finally able to finish and feel good about, or a sweet moment when an underclass person at school reached out for support, or sometimes it's just that bus that arrived right as you stepped up to the stop, or how you got some gadget taken off the back of your braces, the gadget that constantly hurt your mouth, and so your life is a little more joyful and easy. And then how other stories inevitably turn and tumble out. Like how I wanted to explain that there might be a mess in the kitchen when I was thinking through my day and was reminded that I needed to explain to people that, well, that I hadn't had a chance to clean it all up, but last week, Sunday when Carmen got sick and I was so preoccupied, Sunday early morning writing and pulling together the parts of worship that she was going to lead, I forgot about the eggs that were boiling on the stove. And do you know what? Do you know what happens to eggs that are left boiling in a pan after the water evaporates? I guess it's like a scientific home ec discovery. Well, what happened in my house last week was that one of the eggs exploded. And, and when it did, the chalky egg yolk flew in little bits all over the stove and counters everywhere, and it stuck. And when I rushed in to see what the explosion had been and realized what had happened, I took the pan that had the two remaining eggs in it and I rushed it over to the sink and I filled it with water. And when I did so, the second egg exploded, blowing chalky egg yolk all over me, sticking to my hair and pajamas and the counter and the window behind the sink. And how on a day when COVID pulled the rug a little more out from under me, I stood in a kitchen covered with egg, egg quite literally on my face. <laughs> And I had to laugh. I mean, you either laugh or you roll up like the pill bug, right? So better to think yourself in a Laurel and Hardy movie than in the one with the fireball hitting Earth and telling it at dinner all the stress and strangeness of the day and the morning evaporated and everybody laughing, which sometimes if you let it in, I don't know, sometimes the worst moments of life and the moment that they happen with time you learn can be the funniest stories and the ones that bond you to one another as we make it through life. So dinner time. And if you ask me what my other favorite part of the day is, it used to be the early morning. It's the time when I get up before everyone else and I drink my coffee and I journal. But lately, lately and for a while, it's been the evening when everybody else is asleep and the dog is snoring at the foot of the bed and I'm reading my book by lamplight and everything is silent except for the background noise of the street and my blankets are tucked in around me and my teeth are brushed and the pillows are arranged comfortably and the night stretches out in its welcome, just me and my book. I love that time. It feels so beautiful and perfect to me. I wish some nights it would go on forever. But eventually I get tired and I surrender myself to sleep as we all do. And you know what? Both of those times, the morning with coffee and the evening in bed with my book and dinner at the table, all of those times, pandemic hasn't changed them. 
there's probably a good chance I can have some version of them my whole life. And that is lovely. We were talking with FOMO yesterday with a friend. FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. And I suppose we all feel some of what we've missed out on. Time with family who are far away and friends. A chance to travel. Some time in live venues with arts and music and theater to transport us. I miss all of those. But I do wonder sometimes if a lot of what we mistake for the content of our lives is a little bit distraction. I thought the other day on my hike of how the trees and the mountains in their stately presence, oblivious to all the things that fill my days with worry, seemed to be whispering through the clatter of leaves and grasses. It's all good, just this, just Pandemic hasn't taken that away either. Maybe, in fact, it's making it easier to find. So I'll close with this other poem by Lynn Unger, who is a joy in my life. She's such a beautiful, accessible poet. This one is entitled Puzzle. Today, I mailed a package, walked over to get ice cream, coffee with those tiny chocolate flakes, then came home to a kitchen that was scented with gardenias that my neighbor cut for me yesterday. Here's the challenge. Count the blessings contained within this ordinary tale. Like the puzzle with all the triangles, the number you have chosen is almost certainly too low.
In our comings and our goings, may joy find us and we leave room for joy. May the light of love shine upon us out from within us. Be gracious unto us and grant us peace for this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.